the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In just a few short days, voters in Illinois will go to the polls to select the Republican candidate who will challenge Governor J.B. Pritzker this fall. And the stakes couldn't be higher. As Illinois continues to struggle to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, a massive pension obligation, and an exodus of businesses and families from the state, Tonight, you'll hear the closing arguments from the candidates who believe they should be the next governor of the state of Illinois. Now, please welcome tonight's moderator, news director for AM560, The Answer, Mike Scott. Good evening and welcome to this very special broadcast of the Illinois Republican gubernatorial debate. Tonight's debate is presented by HealthInsuranceMentors.com. We are coming to you live from the McEnich Arts Center at the College of DuPage, in Glen Ellen, Illinois. We want to welcome everyone listening tonight on AM560 The Answer and our many affiliates across the state of Illinois. We are joined tonight by four of the Republican candidates for governor, Gary Rabine, Jesse Sullivan, Paul Shimp, and Darren Bailey. We have invited Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin to attend tonight's debate, but he did not respond to our invitation. We are also joined by our panelists tonight, co-host of Chicago's Morning Answer, heard on AM560, Amy Jacobson, and reporter from the Center Square and the Illinois Radio Network, Greg Bishop. Tonight, we begin with opening statements from our candidates, and we determine prior to tonight's event that Mr. Gary Rabine will go first. Thank you. So I'm running for governor for three reasons. They're simple. Lincoln, Siena, and Raphael. These are my amazing little grandkids who I love so much. When I look at these kids, I say, will they have the opportunities that we all had when we get to be of age in the working world? I'm in fear that that won't be the case. You see, I'm also running because I'm the one that's most qualified to lead our state. I've been building and turning around businesses for over 40 years. I love turning around businesses and I love turning around economics. Our businesses, 13 of these businesses, Seven of them should not be in Illinois any longer. So we have the perfect testing lab to say we're in a bad situation. We're seeing businesses leave every day. I'm confident of this. I'm the only person that could beat Pritzker in the general. And I'm confident of this. Once I win, I'm the only candidate that will change property taxes to be fair and average 1% and regulations on business to be competitive again with the rest of the country. Thank you. Mr. Sullivan. My name is Jesse Sullivan, and I jumped into our terrible, terrible politics because I believe we are engaged in a great battle. This runs deeper than Democrat versus Republican. This is a deeper spiritual battle of our core values. Who do we want to be? The far left, along with the establishment Republicans, have tried to move God out of our society. They've tried to devalue the American family and defund our police. I say absolutely not. We are going to get this indoctrination out of our schools. I am going to ban CRT. 
I'm going to ban this sexual indoctrination in our classrooms, which is really the front lines of where this battle is playing out. And I'd like to draw this strong contrast because Darren Bailey on Fox News two weeks ago, he said, you know, if local districts want to teach this garbage, let them. Oh, I say, over my article, dead Jesse. body, will we allow this stuff to happen in our politics? We need a strong conservative fighter, a strong conservative fighter. And I will take this issue on and I will lead for the state of Illinois. Mr. Schiff. Thank you. Thank you to AM560 for hosting this important candidate forum. Thank you to all of you for coming out and listening to us tonight. Thank you to my fellow candidates for putting your hat in the ring to work to give Illinois a new direction. My name is Paul Schimpf. I'm running for Illinois governor because Illinois needs common sense conservative leadership that we can trust. I want my two boys, Ethan and Garrett, to grow up in an Illinois that is safe, free, and prosperous. Unfortunately, that future is not compatible with J.B. Pritzker in the governor's mansion. So what I would like to ask you to do tonight is listen to what we have to say and evaluate who can defeat J.B. Pritzker. Because unless J.B. Pritzker is given his walking papers, nothing changes in Illinois. We have to defeat J.B. Pritzker for there to be change in Illinois, and I'm asking for your trust and your vote to make that happen. Thank you. And finally, Mr. Bailey. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for showing up and coming out here tonight and hosting this event. It is an absolute honor to be here with you. We've got work to do when we leave here. We've got to make sure that everyone shows up to vote. I'm running to restore hope to the good people of Illinois, and we're going to do that by returning safety to our streets. We will indeed restore our education process, and we will support working families so that they can thrive again in the state of Illinois. I'm a farmer, and I find it necessary sometimes to remind people across the state what farmers do. Farmers solve problems. Farmers fix things that are broken, and farmers grow things. And as a matter of fact, a little over 250 years ago, it was indeed a group of farmers that established this great nation. I think they did a pretty good job, and I look forward to building upon that right here in the state of Illinois. Gentlemen, thank you for your opening statements tonight. And we go to question one tonight. And it comes from your humble moderator. <laughs> Mr. Sullivan, you have been selected first to answer this question. Ken Griffin, a backer of Richard Irvin in this race, announced he is moving his hedge fund to Miami today. Crime and corporate environment were the given reasons. He already has space in Miami. He's been there for some time. He has a huge home there. The only people that may be surprised may be some members of Chicago's political press corps. Question for you. What does it mean for Chicago as a financial hub? We've lost Citadel. We've lost Caterpillar, an iconic company in Illinois. We've lost Boeing to Virginia. We are going to keep bleeding companies out of this state until we get a business governor who actually understands how to solve these problems. You know, the CEO of Caterpillar said 10 years ago, if you want to keep us here, you need to relieve pressure on taxpayers. I am the only candidate in this race that has signed a taxpayer protection pledge, saying I refuse to raise taxes on the people of Illinois. 
I will veto any new bill that comes across my desk that raises taxes. You would think in a Republican primary, every single one of us would sign this pledge, but they haven't. I, don't, I genuinely do not know why they have not signed this taxpayer protection pledge. But especially Darren, who's raised property taxes 14 times, People might consider, you know, if he raises it a 15th time, oh, it's going to be an interesting evening. It, it might be on the people of Illinois. Well, Darren, I think really, you know, who who needs an answer are the people of Illinois right now, because we are sick and tired of paying these high taxes. Please hold your applause. And, and you know what? I also understand business and what it takes. I've been helping create jobs all around the world. We're going to do it right here in Illinois. We're going to bring the businesses back to the state of Illinois, and we are going to thrive when I am governor. And so I look forward to being the governor and bringing businesses from all around the world right here to the state of Illinois so we don't have to visit our kids on airplanes, but they have opportunity in the state of Illinois again. Mr. Bailey, Mr. Bailey, would you have offered up any last-minute incentives to keep Ken Griffin here? Well, I think having the conversation would have certainly been good. It's true that, uh, unlike Mr. Sullivan here, that loves to take his business globally, that I've been here for the last four years fighting for Illinois. Uh, we've been warning that this was coming, and now we've seen a lot happen this past a few months. Boeing, Caterpillar, and, and now this. It's not too late because we must have a governor who steps into this position and gets to work. And that's the problem with, the, uh, with even our own party, that uh, many times people don't show up and are ready to go to work. They start thinking all of a sudden on how to get reelected. I am the candidate that has stood against the, stab the establishment. I have stood for the people. I will bring people together and we will come up with solutions and that's exactly what has got to happen. Uh, I'm looking forward to a call from Mr. Griffin on uh, next Wednesday morning that we can sit down and have this conversation and hopefully keep him right here in Illinois because we have got to do something because that's not the last of it. There will be many, many more if we sit idly by and with a lot of empty talk and, and putting people into office that have no proof that they will stand for the people and not waver to the uh, common uh, the common cause. Darren, could you share Darren, could you share with us why you won't sign this pledge not to raise taxes? It must be your made-up pledge because I am not aware. Gary and Paul, Ron, did this Ron, guy make this up? And he's just, just I don't know it. what he's talking Ron about. Ron DeSantis I signed have fought it. Against Gentlemen, Mr. Schiff is up next. I've stood up Mr. against Schiff every tax increase in the state of Illinois. The best governors across the country, so the most conservative governors across the country have signed this pledge. Mr. Schiff. You're, you're not governor. Jesse, with your experience, Mr. Schiff, Mr. Schiff I'm running for governor. But, but you're not there yet, okay? I'm running for governor. Mr. So I'm Sullivan, to sign it. We'll, we'll give you we'll give you your turn. Yeah. Mr. Schiff, with your experience in the General Assembly, could you remove for us a legislative roadblock that may have kept Citadel here? Well, if you listen to what Ken Griffin actually said, he said the number one reason that he was leaving was safety or the lack thereof in downtown Chicago. And that is something that J.B. Pritzker has been missing in action on, even to the point that some of the Democrats from the south side of Chicago have said J.B. Pritzker is not leading. Look, the governor of Illinois needs to be held accountable. One of the things that I will do as governor is if I have not been able to bring together leaders and, can, and develop solutions that can reduce violence, I will hold myself accountable and I will not run for re-election. 
One of the things that J.B. Pritzker has done, and I disagree with him vehemently on practically every policy issue, but it galls me and offends me that J.B. Pritzker has the audacity to run for re-election when violence is spiraling out of control in our state. There is no greater example of the Pritzker leadership deficit. So one of the things that a governor needs to do is work on reducing crime. The governor also needs to hold the General Assembly accountable and make sure that it's not business as usual under the Capitol Dome. As governor, I will veto any legislation that is not passed in a transparent manner. And Jesse, to answer your question why I haven't signed that pledge, I don't need people to see a piece of paper to know where I stand on the issues. As a state senator, I have a voting record, and I have, be I have voted no on every single tax increase that has ever crossed my desk. So my voting record, my legislative record, is much more important than any piece of paper. Mr. Schimpf, thank you. <clears throat> Finally, Mr. Rabine, as founding partner in the Job Creators Network, can I, can I answer this question? You were meant near this. Yeah, this is the question. Okay, good, good. It certainly is. How do you, how do you bounce back as a state from a blow exactly like this? Yeah, so I am the only governor's candidate with the qualifications to turn the state around. Job Creators Network is an example of my national leadership. RGA, Republican Governor Association, I've been a part of for six years, Jesse. I know about that pledge. Okay? I've got 400,000, I've got 400,000, because I won't. I've got 400,000 businesses under my wings in an organization I helped found, okay? So I can bring business back here like nobody else. And when I talk about that taxpayer pledge, all right, your silicon, Jesse, I gotta say, I'm gonna, I wanna say your silicon Sully, okay? Silicon Sully. You come from Silicon Valley. It's a different world than Illinois. That pledge is, years, that pledge is not worth a darn here because freezing taxes and not raising them is, is crazy. We have to kill, we have to, we have to crush property taxes to the average of the country, which is one third of what we have today. We have to crush regulation on small businesses. And we, we must crush regulation on small businesses so the smallest business and the largest like Caterpillar and Citadel stay. We can't, we can't think that steroids work. The, this, this, the, the thing they think we, we could subsidize everything is wrong. We need to actually create an environment where all good businesses want to be. That's what I'm going to do. So signing a taxpayer protection pledge is ridiculous because guess what? Freezing them is no good. We must crush property taxes. We must crush yeah. regulations so all businesses, small and large, can be stronger than ever in the state of Illinois. That's my goal. The I know about this pledge. These governors are in my... In my Mr. Sullivan, about 20 seconds. Go ahead. Okay. So, so, Gary, you can actually go beyond the pledge saying you will not raise taxes to then cut taxes by $10 billion. So you could also vow, everyone tonight could vow, you will not raise taxes on the people of Illinois. Just vow tonight no, you will not. My, my, vow, my, vow is, my vow is that I will crush taxes, not, not okay. keep them the same, okay? That's, okay. No, that's, that's nothing I'm going to ever be proud of, okay? And, and Mr. Rabine, thank you. Thank yeah. you for your answer. <laughs> Question number two also will come from your humble moderator, Paul Schimpf. I did not know you were born at Scott Air Force Base. Yes, I was. My dad was a Vietnam-era draftee in the Army. I was born there 30 days before his enlistment expired. Just an interesting backstory. Um, on your website, Mr. Shimp, you say, I will reignite our economy by ending Pritzker's failed tax and spend policies. Point to one specific policy that has hurt Illinois families, manufacturers, and businesses, and what you would do to fix it. Well, one of the things, I mean, that you're 
only giving me a minute and a half to uh, to try. That's that's going to be tough to try to narrow it down. But uh, J.B. Pritzker uh, has done many things wrong, but really the most egregious thing that he did was during the pandemic he picked winners and losers. This idea that there are some businesses and some jobs that are not essential, that was just absolutely false. J.B. Pritzker's leadership during the pandemic was a catastrophic failure. J.B. Pritzker has also expanded the scope of the administrative agencies in Illinois. This problem of administrative overreach is not just Illinois' problem. This is a national problem. Justice Gorsuch, one of President Trump's Supreme Court justices, is very concerned. This is his number one issue, is administrative overreach. One of the qualifications that I have that nobody else on the stage has is I spent two years as a member of JCAR, the Joint Committee for Administrative Rules. I understand administrative law inside and out in Illinois. What is choking the life out of our small businesses are these administrative agencies that are acting like many legislatures in creating laws themselves rather than implementing stuff. So one of the pillars of our new Start for Illinois policy agenda is making it more difficult for the administrative agencies to pass either emergency administrative rules or administrative rules that raise fees or penalties. That's something that a governor can do is rein in the Illinois administrative agency. Mr. Shim, thank you. Mr. Bailey, you're up next with the same question. All right. Anybody here that owns a business or hires someone working for them, you know that workers' compensation rates here in Illinois are at least two and a half times higher than any other state around us. That's uncalled for, and there's things that we can do legislatively to, to begin to bring that down. Unfortunately, one of the last actions that was accomplished by J.B. Pritzker and the Democrat Party uh, before we uh, adjourned was to the failure to pay down the unemployment insurance fund. And here's what's and we had the money. That's the egregious part. And here's what's going to happen. Over the next few months, uh, and anyway, again, anyone who has payroll here, you're going to feel this. Uh, your unemployment uh, insurance, uh, SUDA and FUTA, they're, go they're going to go up. They could possibly double. And for the people that are working here that might get laid off, uh, their benefits are going to be reduced by possibly 20 to 30 percent. Why would anyone want to work under conditions like that? Why would a business want to come to the state of Illinois and have to pay these uh, ridiculous fees? Uh, that's the problem. This could have been taken care of. I stood on the Senate floor and argued this at 2 a.m. in the morning, obviously, when this bill was being passed to, to not fully fund the un, unemployment to insurance. Uh, so those are just two, uh, two issues that I believe over the next year are going to have some serious ramifications for us here in Illinois. Up next, Mr. Rabine, same question, please. Yeah, so there's many passions I have to clean, this, clean up our act, but one major one is property tax, where young people can't afford to buy a house, not because of the mortgage, but because of the property tax. And Darren, actually, you've been a pro at this in your own, your own hometown. The bottom line is this. <laughs> you've been reading too many flyers, but. One percent, one percent is the average tax on a residence in America. One percent's the average. If you have $200,000 in value, that's $2,000. Where I'm at, it's $8,000 for that same $200,000 home. Average in Illinois is between six dollars and $10,000 now, okay? That's highway robbery, and you think, oh, but we're getting great schools for this. No, we're not. 
We're one of the worst school systems in the country. Our, our schools combined are one of the, some of the worst in the country. Okay, so we have to clean this up. People say you can't do it. No, you can. It's been done across the country. So what do I do as a leader? I find the best minds that have been there and done it before. Art Laffer, Steve Moore, they've been there. They've done it. In California, even dumbass California did this, right? Okay, <laughs> went to 1%, their property values continue to skyrocket. All right, Indiana, Mitch Daniels, one of my heroes, he did it there, along with a lot of other great things, and cleaned up their, their property taxes there, their property values continue to soar next door to us, okay? We're gonna be the place where people wanna build a home, buy a home, invest in homes, like never before, when we crush property taxes to 1%, and that's my goal. I won't rest until it gets done. Thank you, Mr. Rabin. Mr. Sullivan, the same question, please. I am going to cut the budget in Illinois by $10 billion. And here's how we're going to do it. We are going to fix our pension crisis. Next up, we are going to take on consolidation. We have more units of government than any state in the entire nation. So we are going to take on consolidation. Third, we are going to do a hiring freeze. We need to shrink the size of government. Fourth, we are going to do a corruption and patronage audit from the governor's office, line by line. We all know what happened under Mike Madigan and these decades of these terrible failed politicians. We've become a corruption and patronage network. That's what our government is. So I'm gonna go through and fix it. I don't know anybody anything in this system. I'm gonna come in there and get rid of this waste, fraud and abuse in our system. And so, you know, what, we, what it's gonna take is an outsider who has business experience to know how to get this done. And that's what I have. That, that's what I have is this work, this work in business to grow and create jobs. And so that's what we're going to do to get the job done here in the state of Illinois. And you know, it's not just on the flyers. It is a true fact that Darren has raised property I'll taxes. I'll stand here and be your punching bag tonight, Jesse, hey, Darren, and wait no, for no, no, your please. surge. Hey, it's please. okay. It's I think okay. people deserve to hear it. To actually answer the question, don't dodge it like Richard Irvin. Did you raise property taxes 14 times? No, I did not. You, you didn't? No, I did not. Oh, okay. Well, that, Mr. Is, that is not the record. That Mr. is not the record. You got it. Show it to me. Mr. Sullivan, thank you that, very much. Show me the record. Okay, we will. People, go look it up. Go look it up online. Property Mr. Sullivan and Mr. Bailey, thank you. Uh, could, we need could, uh, could, actually, could we switch places so that they can <laughs> <laughs> this discussion? Round three of questioning will come from our panelists, this time from Amy Jacobs. Good evening, and everyone, thank you so much for showing up. Uh, so I spoke with a number of undecided females in Chicago and in the suburbs yesterday, and they have a point of contention or a concern with each one of you. So I'm going to start with you, Mr. Bailey. Right. They're worried that you're not conservative enough because they saw you on no, they saw you on Fox News, and you said you'd allow a Skokie school district to teach sex ed to preschoolers. So how do you give local control but still protect our children? Thank you. Exactly. And I clarified that at the end, and it was actually in the end of the article, and I wish they would have read farther. Here's the deal. Uh, it wasn't in the video because we cut it out of the video. You can watch the it video. Wasn't, it wasn't in the Critical video, just so you know. race theory is un-American, period. It has not belong in our schools. I think we need to heed the advice of Martin Luther King, and, and we need to start working towards becoming a colorblind society. Color, critical race theory teaches our children to look at race and race only. 
Friends, I have said from day one, I'm the only one that stood up on the Senate floor and argued against this, again in the wee hours of the morning. Critical race theory was written into the rules. Critical race theory will be, with a new Illinois State Board of Education, be written out of the rules. And the part that I clarified is that I will empower parents to be heard from their school boards, and we will make sure that school boards hear from their parents. Local control and people working together, no that's how we do this. If we no relegate way. government to do everything, then we're going to have the same problems that we have now. Well, yeah, that's no in way. the back of the article. And then finally, if that well, not with child work, porn, I'm then sorry. I will be there to do whatever it takes to take care of this nonsense. Because it is egregious that the Skokie School Board has said that they're, they're going to do this. Where is the outrage in that? Where are the parents yeah, at standing up? But are you going to give them local control, school districts' yes. local control? Yeah. Child pornography, you can't give them control of that. That's not something you give them control of. School so. boards have control. <laughs> yeah. so. boy, Has boy, anybody boy, hey, hey, maybe works, maybe murder works anybody in Skokie too, school right? Come on, really? Hey, anybody, boy, have you run boy, on the school board? Boil it all down. Oh. Jesse, have you served on the school board? Darren, I looked at your Each. record when you were on the school board, and that school went down dramatically during your time on the performance side. There were nearly half of the students were failing. At Did you end, look at the rest of the schools across the state, It went from 24% Jesse, down to 48%. Because when no child failing. left behind and Common Core was introduced, it didn't work. Every school in the state you, failed. You can blame it on the state, but you were on the school board, and that school's performance plummeted. But right, what's, way more, what's way more important is this question of local control, because what that means is that Darren is handing over this fight to these Marxist school boards that are controlled by the teachers. What that unions. means is we, we are not going to allow it. <laughs> we, we need a Ron DeSantis-like figure. What that we means is we, the people, up stand up this. and take our schools back. That's what we do. We gentlemen, don't leave it up gentlemen. to the government to come and tell us what to do. Gentlemen, Mr. People. Rainbine is up next. I will ban it. Hey, my turn. I will my ban turn. it. <laughs> I will right. ban it. Remember, these are questions from undecided female voters in Chicago and the suburbs. Some I'm voters gonna her, I'm gonna get her a vote. who feel get, like hey. you're, um, this is for Mr. Rabin, uh, feel like you're out of touch, that you can't relate to middle-class families and what they experienced during the lockdowns with their kids being shut out of schools and no sports. Yeah, so um, I come from a lower middle-class family. I've been a middle-class family most of my life. I've been blessed the last 15 years to create some wealth and businesses, and that's the Illinois American dream. I'm not going to be—I'm not going to be ashamed of that ever. Okay, but through the lockdowns, guess what? My wife was dying of brain cancer. All right, we couldn't go to church. Her, her favorite thing was to go to church. We couldn't go to church. Right? When when my wife when my wife was admitted in hospital, I had to fight to get her out of that hospital. Okay, so we ran we, we ran up a lot into, into a lot of crazy Marxist things are going on that affected our life more than anybody else. Okay, when this when this governor. Demanded, ma demanded mask. I fought in our schools. I went, went to our schools to talk about this and, and talk against the mask. When this governor and, and the president of the United States demanded vaccinations on private businesses, I fought this. I fought Biden and OSHA. Pritzker was right alongside of him. And we won at the U.S. Supreme Court. On January 14th, we won for 80 million working Americans. For, we, so so applause, let me tell you, my, my opponent, all right, Darren, Pritzker's favorite candidate. He fought also. <laughs> he fought. He, he fought also. Oh, I'm but the only he, one that he won stood at a lower level. Those days, he, he won at a lower level. These guys were nowhere to be Clay found. Clay County, he won. He lost in Sagamon County. All right. 
He, ne he didn't uh, appeal it. In my case, we won at a lower court. We lost at the Sixth Circuit Court. We appealed it immediately to the Supreme Court of, of the United States. We won in January 14th. It cost me a lot of time, energy, money, but we won. And it, was, and it wasn't for one man and one mask in the Senate. It was for 80 million working Americans, Darren. Any business owners out here that know different? Anybody shrugged off Governor Pritzker's orders because you knew he had no enforcement behind them? We stood up. Uh, let's move on to Mr. Sullivan. Some people want to know, why now? Who are you? You dropped in from the sky. Um, why did you come back to Illinois? If you don't win, are you planning on leaving if you lose? And some are concerned about your California Democratic Bitcoin donors. Yeah, great. So, so thank you for the opportunity to answer a lot of this misinformation and lies that's been put out there by Richard Irvin's campaign. And so what actually is true is I came back from Afghanistan and I decided I want to help create jobs. As a private con contractor, right? No, that's Wait, false. Let him, let him well, no, that's him. false. If you want me to share, I swore. You were in the military? Were you in the military? Yes, I was. Oh. I, I was an army civilian that swore into oh, okay. the civilian. Hey, I, 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 expected, I expected these attacks. I'm just saying. I expected saying. these attacks from Richard Irvin. It's good to be clarified, that's all. Gary. Okay, Gary, Mr. Sullivan, I, please answer the okay. question. Okay. Yeah, so when it comes to this attack, though, on my, on my military service, it deserves to be answered. This to me was sacred service in my life. I, I believe in our country and the values of our country. I swore an oath to defend the Constitution. I went in uniform as an army civilian with a weapon out on combat patrols every single day in the deadliest district of Afghanistan. We lost 36 guys in our small district. Now to degrade that service of me and so many people, I expected that of Richard Irvin, but not of you, Gary. <laughs> So, how many, so how, let, let, me answer, let me answer the question around Silicon Valley. Because when I came back from Afghanistan, I realized we need to create jobs. That's how you help poor people, not handouts. So I went to Stanford Business School for two years. I was at the Hoover Institute most of the time. And then I came back to Illinois, where I'm from, to raise my family with the same values I live by. Faith, family, service. I love our state. I hate our politicians. I decided to step into this race because I am sick and tired of these terrible politicians ruining our state, so I decided to do something about it. Like so many parents out here that are fed up with this indoctrination in our schools. These small business owners that are being shut down by J.B. Pritzker, they are sick and tired. We are all standing up as outsiders to take on the state. I'm joining them to save Illinois. And Lastly, Mr. Shimp, uh, a lot of people said they aren't familiar with you, but according to the Fabrizio Lee poll, you are polling at 4% right now. Um, if you had to back one of these three gentlemen tonight, which one would it be and why? Amy, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Folks, <laughs> folks, when Republicans fight Republicans, J.B. Pritzker wins. We have, our, we have our different strengths, we have our different policy platforms, but we are, we are, you know, we have differences, but we need to remember that we are all on the same team, you know, because nothing is going to change in Illinois unless we defeat J.B. Pritzker. Now, to defeat J.B. Pritzker, you are going to have to do three things as a candidate. 
First of all, you are going to have to unite the Illinois Republican Party. Let's learn from history. Unless you have both the suburban moderates and the grassroots conservatives, you cannot win in Illinois. Bill Brady didn't have the support of the suburban moderates in 2010. He lost a very winnable election against Pat Quinn, a weak incumbent. In 2018, the grassroots had abandoned Bruce Rauner. He got blown out by 30 points. So you have to unite the Republican Party. You have to get crossover votes. And you have to be able to survive a $100 million character assassination that we all know is coming from J.B. Pritzker. And let's not make it any easier for J.B. Pritzker by giving him ammunition to attack our fellow Republicans. Round four of questioning, uh, gentlemen, comes from our panelist, Greg Bishop. Gentlemen, um, when I first started covering the state legislature in 2014, the tail end of the uh, Quinn administration, and a new Republican was elected, a political outsider, Bruce Rauner, uh, he entered office and was met with uh, longtime Democratic leadership, including House Speaker Michael Madigan. Madigan used the budgeting process as a political bludgeon, leading to a multi-year impasse that led to tax increases and more spending. Assuming you win the primary and ultimately in November, how would you specifically work with Democrats at the State House to shore up the budget without falling into those political traps? Starting and that goes Mr. to Rabine, Mr. Rabine. Thank you. So my whole life, I've been building businesses, blue collar businesses from the ground up. And when you do this, you don't ask, are you Democratic, Republican, are you independent? And you don't, we don't care. My customers cover the whole range. My, my vendors, I don't care. I'm confident there's a clear, clear vision of what success can look like and, and, and a clear vision of what the, cra the crash is going to look like if we don't change roads soon, okay? The pension's going to crash in a short period of time if we don't restructure it. Our, 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 our schools are falling apart. Policing is, is an all-time low. We can't get police to work in our cities and our state, okay? We're headed for a, colla a collapse and, in my opinion, need somebody that can inspire people to go somewhere they've never gone before. I call that a moonshot. In my businesses, we continually have moonshots that take us to levels that nobody else has ever been before. When we reach there, we're world-class companies. Four of our companies are world-class out of 13 that we run today. And the other nine have moonshot visions, and they'll be there as well when they, when they reach it. Okay, Illinois' moonshot vision is a simple one. I want, I want to bring more people into Illinois than any state in the country by 2025. We've got a lot of stuff to clear up, don't we? We must, we must protect our kids first. We must protect our, our police. We must protect jobs and businesses here. And we must protect homeowners, those four things. We do those things right. More people will be moving back to Illinois than any other state in the country. It'll be the biggest turnaround in the history of our country. And I'm confident we can do it. Mr. Sullivan, to you, how would you avoid those political pitfalls that uh, former Governor Rauner fell into? Yeah, we all lived through those Rauner years, and it was a disaster. It was a disaster. It was a whole lot of this with Mike Madigan just bumping heads. And then he sold us out on our most important conservative principles, our pro-life values, making us a sanctuary state. I am pro-life, proudly. And I will stand up for life, and I will fight for life always in the state of Illinois. And then when it comes to governor, I view this in three ways. Day one, day one stuff, executive orders. I am going to make sure we end 
these vaccine mandates and mask mandates. No more. Never again. Not in the state of Illinois. And then we're going to clean house at the Illinois State Board of Education, the Prisoner Review Board. Clean house. Next up is we are going to run agencies well. We don't need new legislation to run our agencies well. My wife and I are foster parents, and we have seen this system up close and personal. It is failing 20,000 of our most vulnerable kids in this state. My foster daughter's out here in the crowd tonight. It is a, these kids deserve the best homes to be in, and we are failing them. We need accountability in our agencies. Next up is actually working with the legislature. And that's why veto power matters so much. And that's why I'm going to veto any new tax increase that comes across my desk. And then you prioritize what is most important here. And it's really about recruiting a next generation of conservatives that are going to step in, like me, who don't owe anybody anything, that are going to take on this corrupt system and finally fix the state of Illinois. Mr. Schimpf. You were in the state legislature for some of this time uh, during the Rauner administration. How would you avoid those political pitfalls? Well, Greg, I'm glad you bring up the subject of Bruce Rauner because Bruce Rauner taught us all a very bitter lesson in Illinois that talk is cheap. Eight years ago, I was running statewide for Illinois Attorney General, and I heard Bruce Rauner tell people that he was pro-life with my own ears, I heard him say that he was opposed to illegal immigration. And then, you know, as Jesse said, he betrayed us. But the point is, talk is cheap, and you don't have to guess where I stand on the issues because I have a legislative record. I have voted 100% pro-life. I have voted against every single tax increase. I voted for a strong Second Amendment. And more importantly, I voted for parents' control of education. I was talking about that five years ago. If you want to know where people stand, really stand, look at what they were doing before they asked you for your vote. So what we have to do to bring change to the Illinois General Assembly is we need a candidate that can unite the Republican Party, run on issues that are going to bring our state together, and then put a thump into the Democrats at the ballot box this November. Once the Democrats take some losses, they are going to be willing to work with a Republican governor on issues that unite us, like supporting our law enforcement, like reining in the administrative agencies, like making sure that parents, not the government, determine their kids' education and health care and maturity into adulthood. That's how we're going to do it. We've got to unite the party and win elections. Senator Bailey. To you, how would you avoid falling into those political pitfalls? Well, obviously, having uh, some time serving two years in the House, serving two years in the Senate, I'm familiar with the uh, workings of both of the chambers. I'm also familiar with uh, many of the people there. So, you know, communication is a, communication is a big part of this. Obviously, Governor Rauner uh, immediately went to war against Mike Madigan and the unions, and I guess he failed to realize somewhere that Illinois was a Democrat union state. So he got shut down, but he didn't bring the message to the people. Friends, 
I'm the only one here that stood up for your rights early on. I was removed from the house for standing up against the mask mandate. And then because of that, when we were invited across the state to encourage businesses to open, to encourage schools to open, to encourage churches to open, regardless of all this nonsense that our governor was propagating, that's how I got to meet most of you. So my message has always been a consistent message of encouragement, of hope that we can be better. But you have to hear it, and you have to hear it from someone using the pulpit, talking to all of the people. President Abraham Lincoln said it best, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I can tell you that right now today, Republicans are not sitting at any table talking about anything. And when that, that, that day comes, that's how we'll bring unity. We will s surround ourselves with everyone, we'll listen, we'll bring the ideas to the people, and then we will make a decision, come out, and that's how we restore Illinois. Round five of questioning uh, starts with Mr. Sullivan. Back in 2017, Mr. Sullivan, a deadly Legionnaire's disease outbreak killed 13 at the Illinois Veterans Home in Quincy under Bruce Rauner. It was used by Governor Pritzker then in the, in the uh, contest as a major campaign issue. But when COVID-19 hit the LaSalle Veterans Home and 36 veterans died, 90% of residents sickened. It was a crisis that was not handled effectively by J.B. Pritzker, according to several different panels that were impaneled to look at that situation in Springfield. If you were crisis managing the governor, what would you have done differently when COVID-19 hit the LaSalle Veterans Home? So I've been to the LaSalle Veterans Home multiple times uh, during this campaign. You know, we, on Veterans Day, uh, delivered food and I've gotten to know so many veterans throughout my life, people willing to sacrifice for our nation. You know, when, when we lost 36 guys over in Afghanistan, every single time we would put their picture up on our church tent and we would all say a prayer. And we would say this prayer from the book of John that says, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for their country, for their fellow brother and sister in need. And so for me, this is the utmost respect that we owe them, not just with our words, but with our lives, with our actions. And so, you know, when it comes to the COVID-19 crisis, J.B. Pritzker was an absolute disaster. He loved to tout science. Let's look at the science. Here in Illinois, he was the lockdown governor. And you look at the states like Florida and Texas, they were the free states, no difference in COVID rates, huge differences in economic outcomes, closing down our businesses, educational outcomes for our young children, also closing down our churches. We need to get back to faith and family values. Taking on this executive orders and the way he has these emergencies is the exact opposite way of what, how we need to lead during a crisis. I would have stood strong like Ron DeSantis, prioritized liberty and freedom. If you want the Ron DeSantis of the Midwest, then I'm your guy. Mr. Shim. The governor decided to shuffle deck chairs at the agency that works with the Illinois Veterans Home. What would you have done differently? The tragedy at the LaSalle Veterans Home really illustrates what the Pritzker leadership deficit means for Illinois. It does have tragic consequences. One of the things that I am proud of in my Senate career in the Illinois Senate was it was because of my efforts that we had 
legislative hearings to uncover the absolute travesty of what went, what went on at LaSalle. Through those hearings, we found out that they weren't even using the right kind of hand sanitizer. They didn't use the hand sanitizer that would have killed COVID. The National Guard was deployed to the LaSalle Veterans Home, and J.B. Pritzker was so out of touch that he didn't even know that the, that the National Guard had deployed to the LaSalle Veterans Home. We need a governor who is going to have a hands-on approach to leadership. In the military, you have these things called CCIRs, Commander's Critical Information Requests. I, would, I will, as your governor, demand that any time we have a veteran that dies in a veteran's home, that I get a phone call so that I know about it. That's what being a hands-on leader means. J.B. Pritzker, when he was governor at LaSalle, he told us, and one of J.B. Pritzker's biggest vulnerabilities is his mendacity. He doesn't tell the truth. But one day before Veterans Day, he told all of us that our veterans were getting the best care possible. And then the next day, on Veterans Day of 2020, we lost seven veterans alone. Folks, that is unconscionable. If J.B. Pritzker had any dignity or respect, he would have resigned after that. Mr. Shim, thank you. Mr. Bailey, if you don't mind, you may answer the question while I fix Mr. Shim's microphone. Oh. <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm a hand talk talker, I apologize. My heart absolutely breaks for the veterans and the families that had to endure this. There was no reason for this. And, and as a matter of fact, Governor Pritzker had many days of warnings that there was a problem and he ignored it. So Paul's right. He should have stepped down and, and resigned. There, there's no right in any of this. But the reality is that uh, we, we have to surround ourselves with good people. And on day one, when we flush the system and the agency directors, we will be establishing all, direction, all agencies with competent men and women with backbone to lead and, and, and who know what to do. And I'll tell you what, when we find out that something's not working right, we'll get rid of them and we'll replace them immediately instead of allowing this nonsense to happen. There is, there is absolutely no reason why any of this should have happened. I want to reiterate, Governor Pritzker had many days heads up that there was a problem. He waited, he waited entirely too long and the men and women, the most honorable position that served our country uh, suffered because of this and they, they didn't deserve this. So uh, this should never happen again in the state of Illinois. They deserve better. Finally, Mr. Rabine, thank you. Yeah, so this governor didn't act as a leader. He acted like a king. This governor didn't collaborate with great minds in any respect in any of the decisions he made. He acted like a king. Kings don't take accountability for their failures very often. And this is what happened. It was a terrible thing that we lost these people. And, and, and there was no, no accountability anywhere. He fired somebody, hired somebody new, blamed it on the person he fired. Okay. No accountability is a, is a disaster to our state and any leadership. When I look back in 2020, I had calls with the RGA, Republican Governor Association. I've been a member for over six years as a business executive on the roundtable. All right, I was on calls with DeSantis, Kim Reynolds. I was, it, it, we, had, we had Christy Noem on calls. We had some, some governors I don't respect as much on calls. I won't name their names. Many of those, those Republican governors acted not much different than Pritzker did. But we had strong ones that said, you know what, we're gonna be concerned with lives and livelihoods. We're going to be concerned with education. And they were. 
And those, those governors, and I mentioned the three right there, right? DeSantis took a lead, Christy Noem took a lead, and so did Kim Reynolds. Their states perform so much better than ours. When it comes to education, way better, okay? When it comes to health, most of them are the similar or better than ours. Illinois average, ended up average over the years of COVID, okay? There, there's there's, a, there's a, a survey that came out here about five, six months ago, rating the performance of governors. Our governor ended up 47 out of 50, okay? His, and the only reason he was there, because we were average in health and death, but we were a disaster when it came to economy and education. I, I was on LinkedIn back then, and I stated my case of our, what, is it, what I would do is I, if I was governor back then, and it was, I was going to be conscious of livelihoods and jobs and businesses, and with that, lives. And of course, education. We've never shut anything down, ever. I will never be a fan of, of any type of mandates. Um, as, you, as, as you saw, I fought the vaccine mandate all the way to Supreme Court, and I'll do that every chance I get. When freedom, when freedom is at risk, we'll fight every time. Mr. Rabin, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Round six of questioning tonight, uh, again from Amy Jacobson. All right, I'm back. All right, the GOP state legislators, some of them have jumped ship from Richard Irvin, and I know that some are now supporting you, Jesse Sullivan, Ryan Spain being one of them out of Peoria. My co-host, Dan Prof said that they're supporting you, quote, because they can control you and keep their little thiefdoms. What is your response? Oh. I bend my knee to God alone and nobody else. I owe nobody anything in this corrupt insider system we have in Illinois. Not only the Democrat side, this insider corrupt pay-to-play politics that exists on the Republican side. And I'm going to take it on. Every bit of this corruption, I am going to take on. And you know, the reason why they've jumped in to support me is because they have two eyes to see and two ears to hear. They see what's happening. They are electability voters. And they say, hey, Richard Irvin no longer can, can be electable. You know who can beat J.B. Pritzker? Not the, not the hand-picked person of J.B. Pritzker, who's been spending millions and millions of dollars to endorse and help out Darren Bailey. This is honestly the Democrats' playbook. $11 million of California Democrat money right there. Hey, that, that is, that's, that's a false lie. This is not Democrat money that supported me. IllinoisSunshine.org, yes. look it up. Okay, so Darren, I've worked with these individuals who are business leaders, just like Donald Trump, one who's given to both sides, including good senators like Tom Cotton, conservatives. I am a conservative. They know my conservative values when they've supported me. But you know why? Darren wants to detract from the They fact. also support so, Liz Cheney and hey, Adam Kinsinger. So, so you know what Darren wants to distract from? He keeps interrupting me because he doesn't want me to get out. They, this is the Democratic playbook. They find the weakest candidate that they would love to run against in the general. And then they prop them up with a whole ton of money. And that is Darren Bailey in this race. We need, a, we, need, we need a conservative that can win and can lead, and that is me. Everyone's seeing it, and so they're jumping on board to my campaign. Thank you. Mr. Schiff, you were a state senator in District 58 from 2017 to 2021. That's correct, and we're gonna, I'll answer the question this time from you, Amy. Okay, no, it's all right. I, I get it. I've been thrown out of worse places. <laughs> Governor Pritzker, I sued him and won too, Mr. Bailey. Um, so He didn't win. <laughs> so did you get any, are you looking or buying for the support from any of your colleagues? Are you getting it from any Republican GOP lawmakers? 
We have, we have a list on our uh, campaign website. If you go to media and you go to endorsements, we have a list that, you know, I just added a few more names to it uh, today, actually. You know, so we have the endorsements of, uh, I think the, our numbers were up, up around 100 people in the, in the state have endorsed us. So we have gotten a lot of endorsements, but it's interesting that we're talking about who can win. There is only one candidate on the stage tonight that has won a tier one election against a Democrat while being outspent. Now, what is a tier one election? A tier one election is when both sides think that they're going to pick the seat up and they invest significant resources in that campaign. When I was running for the Illinois Senate in 2016, the Democrats thought they were going to pick that seat up. They ran the sitting lieutenant governor, Sheila Simon, against me, and they outspent us by over $300,000. But yet we still won that race by nearly 22 points. Folks, nothing changes unless we defeat J.B. Pritzker. But think about it. If you had to have a major surgery, you would want a doctor who had successfully performed that surgery before, not somebody that had just read about it in a book. I am the only one up on this stage that has beaten a Democrat in a tier one election. I know how to win elections against Democrats, and that's one of the reasons you should consider trusting me as your governor candidate, because nothing changes unless we defeat J.B. Pritzker. All right, thank you very much. State Senator Darren Bailey, uh, how many co-workers in Springfield do you have supporting you, and do you think that some are supporting Sullivan because they can control him? Oh, I think that the people that aren't, cons here's what I'm going to say, yeah, the, the people that uh, aren't supporting me, they're afraid of the transparency and accountability that I bring to the table because I was the one standing up in, this, in the House chambers when half of the Republican caucus decided to vote for the gas tax increase. I've been the one consistently pushing back and, and accountability doesn't feel good sometimes and, and that's what we've got to have, friends. We've got to have accountability and leadership in Springfield. That is the only thing that is going to change things. Someone who will stand up, tell it like it is, not be swayed and present it to the people. I'm telling you, since Cindy and I have been traveling this state, downtown Chicago, the south side and the west side, people are hungry for a message. When is the last time that Illinois had a conservative Republican governor? It's been a while. Think about it. Somebody the other day suggested uh, uh, Governor Oglesby out of, the, uh, uh, you know, out of the late 60s. Think about that. I'll give you Jim Thompson or Jim Edgar, maybe. Think about that. Forty years ago, where has Illinois gone since then? Friends, Illinois is ripe. It is ready. Chicago is ready for a true conservative Republican governor with a spine and a backbone who will get things done. Thank you very much. And lastly, Mr. Rabine, did you vie for any state legislator's support? And do you think you even need it? Nah. <laughs> I want business leaders. I want people that, that you know, want to stay here. That, those are people I want. I want homeowners and property owners. I don't care about these people. I, I do, when, I, when I win, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I got to rally them in, of course, right? But I got to tell you, Darren, Darren is, is the pro-life candidate, he says. I know I am. But Darren actually voted Democrat for definitely a, a pro-abortion president at one point. 
I'm not sure who you know that for sure. You, well, you voted Democrat, so I mean, they're only pro. pro did you write a Democrats. check to Rahm Emanuel in 2010? Tell me that. Yeah, yeah, I did for a thousand dollars. Yeah, what'd you get out of it? What'd you get out of it? Nothing. You don't get much for a thousand bucks, dude. Okay. So hey, anyway, then, then, then I go. Then I go. Yeah, yeah. For, from the, okay. So but now, you got something. So, so we got silicon. We got silicon Sully here. Okay. Him, him and Irvin are the only ones that hey, voted, Gary, voted Gary. only one time in a Republican hey. primary, just one time. Okay, how are they, they don't even qualify to run the Republican Party. It takes three, hey. three consecutive votes in the, in the Republican yeah. primary to run the Republican you, Party. You wouldn't have so allowed Donald so, Trump so, so to they're, run they're following the, as a conservative outsider, so they're, would you? They're following, they're following Jesse yeah, because he's the same, the same type of character. One time, outsiders. Excuse me, I'm talking. One, one time only, okay? So again, so here, here's what I want. I want business leaders to follow me. And I want, I'm going to work for hard for them. I've got many business leaders who invest in my campaign who say they're leaving Illinois if I don't win because they know I, I got the secret sauce to save in our state, all right? And I'm, I got to tell you, when I look at the billionaires in, in, in Illinois, I talk to most of them. What, what did I tell them, though? I said, I like you, love your money, but I, I have common sense. I got to tell you, I have common sense. I'm not going to change my mind, anything you want, and I can't be bought. My, 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 campaign, my campaign manager said, you probably shouldn't have said that. But, but seriously, that's who I am. I'll, I'll, I mean, you, you have to serve these guys. They've got, they've got $11 million, the Silicon Valley money. I, I, don't know, I don't know anybody anything. Yeah. You know what? You, you can, keep, you can you say keep, it all day long. You keep, you keep you talking all about night. Silicon Valley, Hold Gary. I You've been driving time. a Tesla around during hey, this election. Not, I've been driving my pickup truck. <laughs> Enough said. I'm not Enough said. said. Hey, but hey, that's because, that's because my, Illinois, my Illinois businesses have allowed me to buy what I want, and it's a fishing car. Not my Silicon Valley, not my Tesla small Silicon Valley truck. business, okay? Gentlemen. Let's, let's move on to uh, round seven of questions, and that will be handled by Greg Bishop. Gentlemen, the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services has been found in contempt nearly a dozen times for not properly placing children in state custody. The Illinois Department of Human Services faces a contempt of court hearing this week for not transferring from county jails to state custody detainees that were deemed unfit for trial. Why do you think state government is failing the most vulnerable, and how would your administration address these issues with limited taxpayer resources? The question starts with Senator Bailey. Limited taxpayer resources. I have talked about a zero-based budget from the beginning. Every agency will begin chipping away and cutting the fat out of our budget on day one. You, the people, will know where that money is gone. When I started running in 2017, the state budget was $32 billion, and after July 1st, it's going to be $46.5 billion. If money's the answer, our, our problems should be answered, shouldn't they? I've sat on, the, uh, on these committees. I have specifically asked for the resignation of Director Smith over DCFS multiple times. It is terrible what is taking place uh, in, in the department with DCFS. As a matter of fact, July 1st, when, this new, when the 23 budget rolls over, DCFS will be leaving $12 million on the table. And last year, at the same time, they left $28 million on the table. Yet they had the nerve to ask for $142 million for FY20. That's ridiculous. I was the only one in the committee to be able to point that out. Accountability and transparency. We must have people put in these positions who will get things done. I mean, this is a massive failure 
on Governor Pritzker's behalf. He has no idea what's going on. He's never growing anything. He's never managed anything. Yet he sits in this position and allows our children to be harmed, and it's wrong. Mr. Rabine, why do you think state government's failing the most vulnerable, and how would you right the ship? So this, this governor has, has no interest in our kids. If he did, we wouldn't have done this non-notification act that allows our little girls to get pregnant and, and not be able to talk to a parent in that, in that terrible time. This governor, if he cared about kids, would, would not allow this, this, this sanctuary state to continue to get worse as we, as we let, let ICE, push ICE away from communication with the police, allowing more human trafficking. My, my wife and I were, were, were some of the starters, the founders of Costs of McHenry County. My wife's idea with a couple of friends of hers. DCFS back then, 20 years ago, was a disaster. It's gotten worse from everything I see. But it, it, it takes private partnerships like CASA and growing organizations like that, in my opinion, to be the solution. But, we, but unfortunately, CASA investors are leaving. Many of the, our best investors that, that, that my wife and I got involved early in McHenry County are gone. The best businesses are leaving Wisconsin all over. We, didn't, we need to stop the bleeding so we have more, more people to invest in private solutions. Government's not the answer to everything, especially our government. We've we got to reduce the size of the government. DCFS is a disaster, and it's not a money thing, in my opinion. Mr. Sullivan, the question to you, how do you address these issues at DCFS, DHS, and other agencies that seem to be failing the most vulnerable? So my Christian faith is the core driver of my entire life. You know, I grew up in central Illinois working on a farm, and I love these values of faith family service. I truly believe this, that if we are going to save Illinois, the number one thing we have to do is deepen our relationship with God as individuals, as a community, as a state. We have to get back to Christian values. We have to get back to faith values in our lives. And chief among those is to say, care for the most vulnerable. In my work and in my life and trying to do that, I realized handouts, they create dependency. They don't create freedom and opportunity. So I am a fiscal, social, constitutional conservative. I believe all of our rights, they flow from God, not from man. And whenever man steps in and encroaches on those rights, then we fight back. We fight back against them. And so limited government is important. You know, the private sector has the space of being able to grow and create jobs. Churches and nonprofits have the, have the space to be able to care for the most vulnerable. Whenever government steps in, in limited ways, it better do it well. And I come from a business background, and we are going to make sure we run these agencies towards accountability and results, again, in the system. That's the work that I've been doing with my life, and we are going to get those results back in our government again when I'm governor. Mr. Schimpf. How do you uh, address these issues where the most vulnerable are not being taken care of? Well, folks, you've heard me talk tonight about the Pritzker leadership deficit, and it is real. We need, first and foremost, a governor who can lead our state. Now, if you've heard me throughout the past year and a half on this campaign, one of the things that I have said repeatedly is that the truth is not afraid of transparency. What I mean by that is that we need a governor who is going to not only allow legislative oversight, but a governor who is going to insist upon legislative oversight, who is going to welcome more sets of eyes on what his administration is doing. So we need a governor that is not afraid of legislative oversight. We need a governor who is a leader. 
Folks, I am not a career politician. I spent my adult life in the United States Marine Corps, first as an infantry officer, then as a prosecutor. I've worked on Capitol Hill as a congressional staffer. I worked in the Pentagon for OSD policy, representing the United States in international negotiations. I know what it means to lead. That means being hands-on. The other thing that we have to do to address the DCFS challenge is we do have to have funding. And that means that we need to revitalize our economy and we need to stop wasting our precious tax dollars on environmental virtue signaling like the, uh, you know, like Pritzker's environmental policy that is shutting down our energy resources in Illinois, making our energy less reliable and more expensive. That is where we can find the money to actually provide the funding that these agencies need. Thank you. Mr. Shim, thank you. We are going to take a quick break. And uh, coming up next, more questions for and answers from the candidates here tonight. We are live at the College of DuPage in Glen Ellen, Illinois, for the Republican gubernatorial debate. It's presented by HealthInsuranceMentors.com. Stay tuned for more right after this. Republican gubernatorial debate continues now. Once again, here's your host, Mike Scott. One, take their seats, please. Take their seats here at the Mackinac Arts Center at the College of DuPage. And we will continue live with our debate. If our candidates could please come back to the podiums and the microphones, we will continue to get things moving. As some of you may notice, as some of you may notice, we're a little bit behind schedule. So we're going to eliminate one question, and we're going to reduce the amount of time that the candidates have to respond to one minute, and we are going to also eliminate some closing statements as well, too, from the four candidates tonight um, in, in, in order to make sure that we end on time. So uh, with those announcements, uh, we move on to uh, question number nine, round nine, with Amy Jacobs. All right, President oh, Trump. Hold on a minute. I'm sorry, we're missing a candidate. Well, I could start, Gary, I could... Gary is uh, giving his time to me. We're going, well, actually, he's ceding your time to you. Are you on the floor? Gary's the you last person to answer the him. question, so we can, we can proceed. Okay, we will uh, proceed. Mr. Rabine needs to be back at the podium very shortly. President Trump is going to be campaigning this Saturday in Quincy, Illinois, for Congresswoman Mary Miller. I assume you all want, to, want his endorsement, but tell us why you should get it. Let's begin with you, Mr. Shim. Now, President Trump is, uh, you know, is somebody that I was proud to vote for twice. I was his top choice to be a federal judge in the Southern District of Illinois. Unfortunately, thanks to Dick Durbin, that did not uh, did not work out. But if I were telling, if I were talking to President uh, Trump and saying, "Hey, this is why you should consider supporting me," I'd give him three reasons. First, I would say, "Look, you don't have to to guess about whether or not I'm a conservative." I have a conservative legislative record. We've talked about that already. Talk is cheap. You don't know where people stand unless they've had to take tough votes. I'd also remind President Trump that I'm the only candidate that has won a tier one election in Illinois. You're not going to win unless you can get crossover votes. And the last thing I would say is I am the candidate that can unify the Republican Party. 
and we have to have a unified Republican Party if you're going to be able to win in Illinois. History has taught us that. We need somebody that can get the suburban moderates and the grassroots conservatives. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Bailey, uh, President Trump spoke recently, gave an interview, and said Pritzker has been a terrible, terrible governor. He's done s such a bad job with the lockdowns and with everything, but I think maybe Bailey would be the one I would support. So what, why should he be supporting you, and have you gotten confirmation that he is 100% in on you? Well, Governor Pritzker is indeed a terrible, terrible governor, and President Trump is indeed a great, great president. I will be speaking with him uh, at the rally uh, this coming Saturday. I would be honored to have his endorsement. Uh, he's 100% correct about that. Uh, I am the America First candidate. Steve Cortez spent last week traveling with us on the bus uh, throughout the state. He was absolutely amazed at the grassroots turnout, the momentum and the movement uh, that many of you here tonight have attributed to. So I say thank you for that. And, and then finally, I want to, uh, back to your question that I did fail to answer, the fact that you asked earlier about to, are there any legislators that uh, are endorsing and joining our campaign? Yes, the most conservative ones are with us, and that's how we're going to fix and change Illinois. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Bailey. Let's on to move on to meet you, Mr. Gary Rabine. I know that you've uh, been to Mar Largo a few times, and tell us why you think you should be getting President Trump's endorsement. Yeah, so I mean, uh, number one, if Trump endorses Darren, it's exactly what Pritzker wants. And I believe President Trump is smarter than that. Okay? Now, when, it, when I look at candidates that are, that are ready to be Trump like, there's nobody in this race that's been a leader as I have in business like our president has. There's nobody that's led large organizations from small to big that have solved the problems in America. Job Creators Network is an example of that. From nothing to 400,000. Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, I was his second mentor, okay? From nothing to over 500,000 kids in college campuses and high school campuses across America today. All right, so what, is it, what does that mean? Steve Moore, my friend, endorsed me. He was an advisor to Trump. Charlie Kirk endorsed me, advisor to Trump. Art Laffer, one of the greatest economists in the history of America, endorsed me, advisor to Trump. And most importantly, this person, many of you don't know, Yaku Boyens, my friend, was, was, a, was, was Trump's advisor on the, in the war against human trafficking. He's my advisor. He was here this week, and, and he's an amazing guy. These people are endorsing me. I believe that I'm the best candidate for sure for Trump to endorse. Thank you. And Thank you, Mr. Ray Biden. And lastly, Mr. Sullivan, if you could convince President Trump to endorse you before he arrives here on Saturday, what would you say to him? If you want America first policies to become Illinois first policies, then I'm your guy. He was right on every single issue when it comes to America first versus the America last policies of Joe Biden. Whether you look at law enforcement, the border, our economy, pro-life, pushing back against the extremes of the far left, all of those areas we need right here in Illinois. And I am the conservative that can get results and get it done. I am ready to lead on day one on our most important issues. I served as an army civilian over in Afghanistan. I'm ready to make our streets safe here in our state. When it comes to business, I'm a business outsider too. I've helped create jobs around the world. We're gonna do it right here in Illinois. I'm someone who is a parent to young children we are going to get this indoctrination out of our schools and excellence back in. And most importantly, I am a person of faith, of deep faith. 
that we, I am going to be rooted in my Christian values to go behind closed doors and not sell out the people of Illinois. We need to get God back at the center of our politics again, and we need to value the American family. I am the governor candidate that can get this done. Gentlemen, this next question is about population. Governor J.B. Pritzker and congressional Democrats, they're demanding that the U.S. Census revise the state's population to 13 million from 12.7 million, saying that the state is growing. <laughs> Where are they wrong? And what would you do to capture more federal tax dollars for the state of Illinois? And we'll start with Senator Schimpf. <laughs> Well, Greg, in fairness, uh, when Marianne Ahern asked me that same question about J.B. Pritzker's claims with the post-enumeration survey, I asked Marianne whether she had read the, uh, the post-enumeration survey. So have you read it? Yes. Yes. Thank you. The point is, folks, the post-enumeration survey that was done by the Census Bureau goes to data accuracy. Nowhere in that document does it give a revised population estimate for the state of Illinois. And J.B. Pritzker and the Democrats that are saying this shows that we're gaining population are just continuing to mislead the people of Illinois. J.B. Pritzker's mendacity, his unwillingness to tell the truth, is one of his biggest vulnerabilities, and we need to be able to go after him on that. And, you know, what he's saying about, the, uh, about Illinois go growing in population, that is just flat-out false. The data from the IRS confirms what the Census Bureau said, that we are losing population. Now, Illinois cannot gain population unless we have a change in course. Uh, one of the things that Carolyn and I are running on is a new start for Illinois, our policy agenda, where we will end predatory practices like charging tax on tax. If, if we want people to come back to Illinois or stay in Illinois, they need to know that there is a shift in policy, there is a change in course, and Carolyn and I are offering Illinois a new start. Senator Bailey, is Illinois growing or shrinking, and how would you go about capturing more federal tax dollars for the land of Lincoln? Well, do we have any business owners out here who are struggling for people to fill vacant positions? Everywhere we go, small business has been decimated because people aren't there to fill the positions. I mean, the proof is obvious. And, and as far as growing our economy, early one of the first questions that was asked about business regulation, we have got to become a business-friendly state. The proof has happened in the last three weeks businesses exiting Illinois, and they're exiting Illinois because we are not a business-friendly state. We have to change the environment. We have to attract business. When we attract business, and Illinois is a great state, we've got all the space and the natural resources and the reason, the location, the infrastructure with the rivers and with the rail and with the highways for people to come here. When business comes to Illinois, people will go to work. People will move here for jobs. They will earn money. They will pay taxes. They will support business. That's how we grow an economy for Illinois. Mr. Rabine, are we growing or shrinking, and how do you capture more federal tax dollars? These people are delirious, okay? We, we know we're shrinking. The, the, you know, Ted Dabrowski actually went by the IRS reports, wire points. Anybody, wire points, a great organization. We need to all help them. 
help fund. It's a nonprofit, but man, great information from Ted. I got to tell you, it shows over 100,000 lost. We saw 122,000. It's over 100,000. With every 100,000 people that leave, about a billion dollars leaves with them. A billion dollars of, of taxes leave with them. Okay? All the casinos we could build and all the marijuana dispensaries we could build won't equal that for 100 years. Okay? So we got to stop the bleeding. I'm the one that can do that. Job Creators Network, again, and we've been studying regulations across the country for 12 years. For 15 years, I've been traveling the country building my businesses. And guess what? 15 years ago, anybody look at me and say, you're so lucky, Ray Bine. You're so lucky you build your business from Chicago and area in Illinois. I said, yes, I am. It's awesome. Okay? Now, when I travel the country, they say, are you still in Illinois? Are you crazy? And unfortunately, they're right. We're going to change this. Reducing regulation to be competitive again is my goal. Reducing taxes to be competitive because, you know, we do those two things. Jobs and businesses come back to Illinois like never before. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sullivan, the question to you, are we growing or shrinking, and how do you capture more federal tax dollars? When I'm governor, we're going to look more like Florida and Texas and less like New York and California. We are going to be lowering our taxes in the state of Illinois. We are going to cut regulations in the state of Illinois. We are going to be the free state of Illinois again. Everywhere I go around this state, People say, you see that? That's the land of the free over there. And I don't know which state around us they're pointing to because they are attracting all of our talent, all of our businesses. I really do want to raise my kids here and my grandkids. I don't want to go visit them on a plane in the future. I want them to be able to have opportunity here in the state of Illinois. The future of Illinois does not belong to these corrupt insiders. The future of Illinois belongs to the believers. It belongs to all of us outsiders who are ready to fight for it. Join me. Please join me and our team. Vote on June 28th. Come and ride up. We need to fight for law enforcement. We need to fight for our kids, for our businesses. We need to fight for our faith and for our freedom. Together, let's fight to save Illinois. And because of time, this will be the final question tonight. And uh, tonight, we will start this round with uh, Mr. Bailey. Uh, in Illinois, we at one time had one of the greatest advantages in the Midwest, a stable, inexpensive natural gas and electric supply, power supply, that provided us with immense amounts of energy to power business, manufacturing, and homes in the state. In Europe, Greece is now my opening up coal mines and mining coal for power plants in Germany and elsewhere, where they are restarting coal-fired power plants. One, do you reject green energy proposals that are either on the table or already enacted in the state of Illinois involving wind and solar? And two, would you restart coal mining? Much of the state is dug for coal. There's only a few counties that have never not dug for coal in the state of Illinois. And then restart power plants, full capacity for Springfield full capacity for Baldwin Power Plant in Southern Illinois. Would you do that? To your point number one, I don't reject the green energy ideas because we've got to look for the future. We've got to continue to come up with better ideas. But the reality of what we're dealing with right now that was passed with this green energy bill it's, it's, it's unreal. It will not work. $700 million thrown towards windmills of your tax money, $700 million of your tax money towards uh, solar. We don't have the 
we don't have the experience and the expertise to, to capture and harness that energy right now. Illinois, so, so we work into it for that answer. Illinois imports 15% of our energy right now today. Many people in the southern two-thirds of the state are receiving letters right now in the mail and from their local co-ops, and they're being told to get ready to experience rolling brownouts and blackouts. Friends, there is no sense in that. And, but the, the sad part of it is that's how we're going to beat J.B. Pritzker this fall, when Illinois is, begins to experience some of this higher energy cost, blackouts, brownouts, higher fuel cost, lower, lower uh, fuel supply. I live in the area that produces oil and produces coal, and, and right now that is a very effective and efficient way of, uh, of uh, growing our economy with our energy. And if we let that lapse, it's going to hurt us more, and, and, and industry is going to go to other states where energy is more reliable. Mr. Rabon. Yeah, so this is something I don't talk about enough because we've got so many other problems. But I am the, the foremost expert on pavement longevity and pothole mitigation, okay? We got, that's a big problem. We're in terrible shape. Our infrastructure is terrible. So I looked up infrastructure in the country and I said, where are we rated? Guess what? We're rated pretty high. We're like in the top 10, 12 states in the country. But it's not because of roads. It's because of the lack of blackouts we've had in the last 20 years. We're like number one there, okay? Why is that? Because we've had the best energy sources in the world, probably, in the middle of the country in Illinois. Best nuclear, best clean coal, best natural gas. And guess what? The Green New Deal Pritzker has made right after his buddy Biden is going to put us in, in a place much like California. See, California had the same idea about 15, 20 years ago. And today, they're the highest energy cost in the country, if not in the top three, okay? They have the most blackouts in the country, all right? That's where we're going. All because we've got these corrupt politicians that want us to subsidize bad energy for great energy. We need to fight. We need to fight. This is why this guy's got to go. This is why we got to elect a governor that can win in the general. Sorry, Darren. We got to have somebody that can win in the general. That's me. And I'll fight, I'll fight tooth and nail. Mr. Sullivan, to the same question, please. The Green New Deal J.B. Pritzker passed in Illinois is an absolute disaster for our state. We are going to see energy prices rise for consumers. We've, we are going to see it rise for businesses and manufacturing. We're already seeing an exodus of our businesses. We've seen an exodus of our people. We need to unleash Illinois energy. That means ethanol. We need to unleash ethanol as a source of, of energy. We need to unlock all of these sources in the state of Illinois. We are market-based, principled leaders. We need to allow the private sector to lead on this. But here, here for me, since this is our closing statement, you know, we have a historic opportunity in the state of Illinois to be able to actually bring a conservative forward that can beat J.B. Pritzker right now. We cannot allow that opportunity to pass us by. I am an outsider to politics. I love our home so much. I want to fix it. I want to change it. I want to put forward a conservative that can win and that can lead this state forward. I truly believe that I am the candidate that can do this. Please show up, come out and vote on June 28th. Vote for a conservative that can win and that can lead in the state of Illinois and vote for Jesse Sullivan. Thank you so much. And finally, to the, to the question and uh, wrapping up your statements tonight, Mr. Shim. Okay. Now, uh, before I answer the question, I want to, uh, want to thank my fellow candidates. This is the last time that we're going to be on the, on the stage together before the election. I want to thank all of them for running a spirited campaign and, more importantly, 
putting yourselves out there because the future of our state is too important to allow J.B. Pritzker to stay in the governor's mansion. So thank you. I also want to thank you for taking the time to come and listen to all of us tonight. So that leaves me with 30 seconds to answer the question. <laughs> I represented the United States in international energy and environment negotiations. I was the strategist for energy and environment in the, uh, in the office of the Secretary of Defense. I have forgotten more about climate change and energy than J.B. Pritzker knows. And that knowledge is enough to make me realize that Illinois' energy policy is nothing but environmental virtue signaling. It needs to be completely scrapped. We need to support all of the above on energy. So thank you for listening to me tonight. I'm going to close by just saying I ask for your trust and your vote on June 28th. Thank you and God bless you. Gentlemen, our appreciation as panelists up here, uh, responding to our questions and responding to the audience as well tonight. We're grateful that you were here and we're grateful that you uh, put yourself out there to run as a candidate in the state of Illinois. And with that, we come to an end of our time tonight. One final thanks to our presenting sponsor, HealthInsuranceMentor.com. And also, very much, our thanks to the College of DuPage for hosting us tonight. And, of course, a thank you to each of our candidates who joined us here. I'm Mike Scott. Thank you for joining us, and good night. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.